0: Authorization required. Captain's log.
1: The impossible has happened. Somewhere along this journey, we'll find a way back. Enter authorization code. We might have just discovered the first stable wormhole known to exist. Our mission is to go forward. It's just begun. There's still much to do. still so much to learn.
0: Security authorization accepted.
1: Command codes verified. Transfer complete. You're listening to an hour with the Continuing Committee with your host, Charlie Plant. My name
0: is David Runyon. Uh, I'm of a certain age that seems to be attractive to advertisers, and... I work as a librarian, university
1: librarian. And how do people know you on the forums?
0: My handle on the forums is Super Dave.
1: And David, you are the new first edition creative manager. So first of all, congratulations on the position. Thank you very much. Tell everybody out there a little bit about you and your history with 1E. All
0: right, well... I started with first edition in the. I guess it was shortly after the game came out. My first pack was a white border, I think it was a white border alpha of Premiere. Uh, and I think I pulled Deanna Troy, which at the time seemed pretty sweet because, you know, she was on the show and she was on the show every week. Uh, but of course, looking back now, she's not that that uh, premiere version of Deanna Troy isn't all that all that great for the game. But you know, when you're in middle school and you pull somebody uh, a big name like that, it's pretty exciting. Uh, I've played and collected pretty much ever since then. Although I'm not active in the tournament community, uh, my play has been casual and friendly, and uh, I think that fits my play style of trying fun and interesting things rather than trying to maximize power levels in my deck. Uh, sometimes I look at look at cards that people say are overpowered, and I kind of wonder why I never stuck them in my deck, and then I realized it was probably because I didn't think it was completely sporting to do that to my opponent.
1: A, a true gentleman card player, then.
0: <laughs> well, I try.
1: So, what was the craziest deck you've ever built for first edition? The most fun you've ever, you've ever had with a deck?
0: Hmm. I have, or had, a few versions of non-aligned, primarily non-aligned decks. And it, uh, it goes back and forth or rotates between, uh, the Con deck, uh, Revenge is a dish best served cold, uh, and a Cybok Shakari deck, and then just a a straight out, uh, mercenaries or non-aligned kind of thing uh, so my my deck building has definitely improved since discovering the uh, the forums and looking at looking at deck ideas and deck designs that people have played but i really do like the the mercenary nature of the non-aligned
1: absolutely and and i hear that Khan is a uh... Pretty fun. I've never played that myself, but I, I hear good things about it, especially being fun. So.
0: <laughs> it, it, it's hard to pull off, and it is a pretty delicate deck, but it can be a lot of fun, uh, and it's very quotable.
1: Absolutely. So, you have taken on the responsibility of the 1E creative manager, and last week on the show we had Matt Kirk, who's your 2E counterpart. Um, have you worked with Matt at all before? Have you met him at all?
0: I haven't. Uh, just in the the last couple weeks, we've been corresponding as we've been getting the creative teams off the ground. But before that, I've, I've seen his posts here and there. But other than that, I haven't connected with him.
1: Um, speaking of the creative team, I know you're you're working on putting your team together. But if if anyone out there is interested in in Signing up or volunteering, how how do they get a hold of you, and what type of info are you looking for?
0: Well, the the source information that we're looking for is primarily based on the, the applications that we filled out applying for the for the lead positions. Uh, really looking for for qualifications in creativity and writing ability. And knowledge of the Star Trek universe in general. Uh, to get a hold of me, you can send me a, a personal message through the forum. That's probably easiest, uh, and I try to turn those around pretty quickly.
1: And just once again, your your handle on the forums is
0: Super Dave.
1: Just spelled like it sounds, Super Dave. No
0: punctuation, no spaces, nothing complicated. Just S-U-P-E-R-D-A-B-E.
1: All right, David. So why did you want to take on this responsibility? That <laughs> uh, came out, I didn't mean it like that. Just, what what, made <laughs> what you, were you thinking? What were you thinking? <laughs> uh, why, what enticed you about the position? Primarily it was because I was
0: already doing a lot of that work uh, before the positions were formalized. Uh I don't remember exactly how I stumbled in behind the curtain. I think it was probably through proofreading. Uh, but I, I've been working for several months as kind of an unofficial helper, doing proofreading and lore and card titles and occasionally image suggestions for uh, first edition products, uh, expansions, promos, reprints. Any of that stuff. So when the the position was announced and looked very similar to what I was already doing, I figured, well, might as well make it official. I'd rather be contributing than get locked out because I didn't apply when the chance was there. So I put my, put my name in the ring, and here we are.
1: Absolutely. And there were a number of... Classified candidates, but uh, you had been and continue to be doing a good job, and I, I definitely think I, I, we chose the right person. Um, you, you, you said you've been working on some windy cards in in a sort of a casual capacity. Is there one that you've put story on that you're particularly proud of to date, or have we just ignored mm-hmm. you and, and plowed ahead with <laughs> our our own suggestions in spite of what you <laughs> wanted? To...
0: Um. You know, I can't, I can't think of any in particular without, without looking them up. I'm, I'm scrambling right now to try and find one that I actually worked on that I can, that I can talk about.
1: I didn't mean to put you on the spot there, so.
0: <laughs> That's alright. Uh, I think some of the most, the most interesting stuff that I've done that isn't entirely original is the, work on conversions uh, going from going from the, the second edition framework with keywords and subtitles and trying to jam all of that information into a lore box and then add some more story to go along with it uh, has been an interesting challenge from time to time.
1: Well, that's an interesting thing to talk about in that, in, in second edition lore is entirely flavor text right whereas in first edition lore has relevant gameplay in it that, that on the surface of it that seems like it would make lore more difficult to write is that has it been your experience that it makes it harder or it actually makes it easier
0: but sometimes it <laughs> it's a little of each really uh, sometimes putting the Having the keywords and subtitle provided always gives you a starting point. Uh, and second edition, I think, is is better than first edition in in making, especially with personnel, um, making those personnel or instances of a persona fit a specific episode uh, or film or, or whatever. Uh, first edition, I think, especially... In the earlier sets, tried to make, uh, say, Jean-Luc Picard, make him the, the ever and always Picard. Uh, try to get everything that he ever was and put that on a single card. Uh, and second edition would have maybe uh, two or three versions of Picard, even from a single, a single film. Uh, I'm not sure if there are any from the same episode, but you get the different aspects or facets of a of a persona in second edition and then taking taking those cards and making making that facet of a, a specific person into a first edition card is helpful, gives us a place to start. Sometimes the subtitles are tough to work into <laughs> work into a, a sensible first edition lore without it being really choppy or artless. And I always strive to to make the lore flow as a, a coherent and cohesive little story in two sentences or three lines.
1: Yeah, so just so everybody knows what we're talking about, we we have a... I hesitate to call it a rule, but it is a, a strong guideline that the subtitle of a backwards compatible person or ship is the first line of their lore when they're converted. Mm-hmm. Did I say that properly? Yeah. Uh, so far we've done pretty pretty well on that. Um, there may come a time, the reason I say it's not a rule is because there may come a time where we hit a card where it's just impossible uh, or you, you you and your team complain enough that we just change our minds, but uh, to date, we've done it on almost all the cards, and I think it's neat. I definitely think it's 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 one of those things that a one e player wouldn't notice, but a two e player will pick up on, and mm-hmm. it'll help a two e player playing one e uh, adjust to the cards a little better. So, but I yeah,
0: sure, I sure hope so. It's it's really done for the for the mental connections whether whether a person is a, a second edition player or a first edition player or both uh, i know that personally i trigger off of the images of a card and the story of a card to, to remember the game text of the card so if i'm if i'm looking at a conversion i'm hoping that the player will see the same picture and then read that subtitle in the lore and say, oh, I know I know what this guy does. And, of course, when we make the conversion, it's not always smooth. So yeah,
1: hopefully it's,
0: the, that assumption won't get too strong.
1: It's tough, and I think that, that it's... I think that we've tried a couple different ways to do it. Like, if you look back at uh, things in past in life. life from Lifelessness, well, especially the one we did that was... The same fifteen cards in both editions. Yeah, those were pretty literally exactly the same game text, and so you've got three line game text boxes and long lines of stuff on, on personnel and and in the expansions that we've been working on now, including the one that that your team's got a hold of for this summer, um, which we'll talk about later. Uh, I think we've gone a completely different route with that and. I kind of like where we are with it now versus where we were with it then better. So mm-hmm. you guys will see what I mean in over the summer. So, so uh, other than, you know, lore actually being relevant, what other types of things make a a one-e flavor different than a two-e flavor?
0: Um uh, I find that in in second edition lore quotes uh, from like actual quotes from the from the show tend to be more common than statements or descriptions uh where the reverse is true in first edition uh lore is almost always a description or uh something separate rather than a quote from the show uh, and that of course has has its advantages sometimes i've really itched to to put the um, put a quote in on first edition lore, but the requirements of having the, the loaded terms in lore kinda blocks that. But it's it's nice to be able to expand the story a little bit in first edition where I don't think you could do that as easily in second.
1: Uh, is there a place for quotations on Winnie cards in their lore?
0: Absolutely. Uh, and again, Shades of Grey, there are a number of cards that have quotes in the lore. Um, Captain um, Shoreleave, I think, has, has a quote, and there are several others in that set that, that have quotes. Uh, but when you need something that's really short and tight, and you don't have to have something loaded, uh, it really works better on cards that aren't personnel or ships. You can really get a lot across through a clever quote
1: do you have you have you ever found yourself wishing for subtitles on one E cards?
0: cards hmm. <laughs> it wreaks havoc with the persona rules uh, so sometimes but not not often uh, it does it is a pain looking at different versions of the same card that have the same title uh, the data from Premier and data from First Contact and uh, where else did we put a data There's uh, one in our recent set I think uh, data from the city of Reteg. yeah the uh, some of those <laughs> you have you still have to have some kind of subtitle just to refer to it in any kind of conversation whether it's official or not uh, and for first contact that's the subtitle for that one uh, data first contact which is not very exciting but you have to be able to differentiate the cards somehow
1: yeah okay so overall then just talking first edition in general what goes into a card to make it have outstanding story. You know, what what different pieces have to be there so that when, when somebody looks at a card on the website or, or opens a booster and sees a card, they're like, that's just super cool.
0: <laughs> um, let's see. Start with a title. And there are some rules about that, but uh, for cards like events or interrupts, That's a, speaking of quotes, that's a great place to put them. Uh, Use those, those phrases, those memorable phrases as good card titles.
1: What does God need with the starship?
0: Absolutely. Um, Revenge is a dish best served and all that. Yeah. Uh, But start with a title. That gives you the direction to go. You got to have a good picture. Uh, That comes down to, The art team and the creative team, we don't have total control over that, which is probably for the best. Uh, And then you've got the game text, which design and development comes up with and then gives to us. And that tells us a little bit about what the story needs to be, Uh, not always. And then a lot of times the card comes to us with a title already. Uh, With personnel, that's really obvious. Uh, Data is data. It's not... uh, anybody else but once you've got the the skeleton then we can go wild with the with the lore box it doesn't do much for us on objectives or incidents that don't have a lore box they we don't get to be very creative with those but when we can really sink our teeth into to a lore box and tell some of the backstory sometimes it's stuff that you already know uh, Deanna Troy is a half betazoid half human person and she has some kind of empathic or telepathic ability well if you if you've seen any of the shows you know what's going on with that but then if you look at I think it's Loxana Troy has her whole royal title listed on the card, which I think is is a lot of fun. And then there are some cards where we're able to explore some of the backstory that never made it into the show, whether it's from notes on a script or drafts of a script, uh, or sometimes, although not very often, we'll take inspiration from some of the expanded universe kind of stuff, novels or fan films or... Comics or whatever else is out there. Uh, some of that just gives us ideas of where to go. One of my favorite things to do is to make the connections between characters or or actors. Uh, there's one we did recently. Uh,
1: the Ferengi, the the, yeah. the past Ferengi had a lot of a um, lot of uh references on the cards.
0: Yeah, there was one of those in particular. Um, now I'm going to have all this trouble trying to find. Uh, Muck was fun, but I think Krem, uh, Krem the Ferengi was one of my favorites to do. We had the, the loaded keyboards. He had to be a Ferengi. He had to be a thief. He had to be the commander of his ship. Uh, and then... We got to throw in the the sentence held dominion over the crew's Andorian ale supply, uh, referring to that actor's other roles as uh, as a as a Vorta for the Dominion, and then as as Shran Shran.
1: Yeah, the Andorian from Enterprise.
0: In Enterprise, the same the same series had another role. So we get to refer to to both of those indirectly, and I think uh, when that card was spoiled, there were a couple folks who mentioned it on the forum and said that they really liked that lore. Well, so I was proud to see
1: that. Do you remember that we we originally had a third reference in there to to the other Ferengi that he famously played, which was Brunt? Yes. And we ended up, you know, we had it written and we all liked it and we sent the sent the, the text off to, to Art to build the PDF and it came back, this is, this is way too long.
0: Yeah.
1: So <laughs> we actually put FCA on him. He didn't have that through most of development. We actually gave him the skill FCA as a substitute for the joke in his lore uh, about being brunt. So, right. You know, that was that was a rare situation where creative sort of drove game text. It was it was kind of interesting.
0: Yeah, and decipher did that a couple of times. Uh, I think there was an Easter egg thread a, a couple of weeks ago that pointed out some of those some of those extra skills that personnel got.
1: Yeah, like uh, geology for the Pandari champion because he was the right, rock. Yeah. Right, that was, that's a personal Music's favorite for of mine.
0: E-pops character.
1: So. The whole package, really, it all has to be there. You know, you have to have a striking image that goes with the title, that fits the game text, and good lore. It's a lot of work.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It is. (laughs) Uh, You can can have good cards and be lacking one of those pieces, but I think even though we're moving more towards a printable game, I still try and think like a collector, and say, you know, what kind of stuff is going to make this an interesting card? To just, as you're flipping through the binder, just sit down and read the read the card, and to to hit both the players and the collectors, I think uh, requires good story and good text.
1: Well, that's that's an interesting point. I, I actually think. One of the reasons the Continuing Committee has been as successful as it's been is because we don't treat the game differently than we would if we were selling it and printing it. We still Mm -hmm. hold ourselves to the same expectations and the same standards of quality and the same uh, levels of production that maybe even exceed what Decipher had been doing uh, at the tail end of the game. Uh, We try. We, we fail, <laughs> but we do succeed sometimes, and, and I, th- I, think, I think that's in our favor. Absolutely. All right, so you have been hard at work uh, on something new that's coming out this summer.
0: Yes. Uh,
1: we don't know all of the details yet, uh, but it is essentially, and tell me if you think I'm doing this wrong, a sequel... To an expansion that we put out last year.
0: I think that's correct.
1: Uh, and that would be Homefront.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Home, Homefront last year came out at Gen Con and it was uh, every affiliation's homeworld and their headquarters mission except for Seed of Starfleet because sea of Starfleet was coming out in uh, Straight and Steady. Right. Uh, and we also put in some dilemmas. So, and those what,
0: were reprints of ones that were already in first edition.
1: They oh, were two. they were AI. They were all alternate images. Every card was an alternate image.
0: Right. Um, and we didn't do any conversions with that, did we?
1: No, it was all existing one e cards. Okay. Oh, you're so tipping the hand, man. But yeah, so <laughs> H- Homefront 2, it... it, it we don't know that that's what it's going to be called yet. We'll just call it that for now. Hmm. Uh, Homefront Two. If if I were to describe that to you, a, a sequel to Homefront, and and pretend that you haven't seen what's in it, what what would you expect would be in it?
0: Well, we could we could get new images again on all of the HQs and missions.
1: Um, Reprint them again, sure. We could we could do that.
0: <laughs> that might not be very exciting. Uh, with the, the dilemma suggestion or selection in the first one, I might expect to see more reprints of uh, of existing dilemmas, and with some of the expansions that came between then and now, I might expect to see uh, maybe some some movement toward uh, conversions and. Possibly building on some of the themes from from "Straight and Steady," Straight, "Straight and Steady," and "Shades of
1: Gray." That, well, basically, what we did is we thought we thought of okay. So last year we gave new players and, and returning players all the homeworlds and all the headquarters missions. What's the next thing they're going to need?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Well. People, right? Pe- I'm
0: stumped. That's all, why I'm creative and not design.
1: All of the headquarters missions allow you to play subsets of personnel for free.
0: Oh yeah, that's right. All the free plays. So cool.
1: we decided. We actually decided this last year. Uh, we said let's make another one, and in that we'll put, you know, three people that report to every headquarters. I feel
0: really stupid that I didn't notice that.
1: But. But, uh, so the original idea behind the sequel to Homefront was maybe a, a couple more dilemmas, you know, with the, the little green, yellow, and red tags on them, and then people, so that we could give you Homefront and Homefront 2, and you could take whatever affiliation you wanted that had a home world and a headquarters, and have at least three decent people. Aha! Uh-huh. Well, the, and, and as you alluded, <laughs> The other interesting thing that's going to happen is we are doing conversion cards in this one, which we didn't do in the last one. So it is not just reprints. There are a decent number of reprints in it, which will have AIs. But it's also, I want to say it's more than half quote-unquote new cards in that some of them are conversions. And there are a couple of new cards in there too, brand new. But yeah there are a, a couple so we'll, we'll be spoiling more information on this but what what did this look like when you got it <laughs> and what what have you done and what have you what are you continuing to do to finish this thing up in order to put it out later this summer uh,
0: let's see um, when I when I first saw it it was before I got the creative position so I was looking at it as a as a proofer uh, and there are some cards that were in those first files that aren't in, aren't in the current set uh, there are some that have had massive transformations of game text uh, there are some that I thought were cool that have disappeared uh, I'm not sure if they've been Forever or just
1: uh. nothing? Nothing's ever gone forever. Now, <laughs> especially now that we have some new tools at, at our disposal, everything that ever gets written gets kept. So, not nothing's gone forever. But but so you you, you in your position as the creative manager, you get this file, mm-hmm. and it. If I remember right, it was it was a complete file. It had all X cards in it, however many there are going to be. Um, but a lot of them didn't have. Images and most of them didn't have lore. Uh, in, yes. in fact, I think I think the only ones that had images were the conversion cards because we use the source, the two E source image. Right. Um, how do you get started in, in in that case? You know, when you have cards that like they all had some like one of the cards that's in there is the, uh, some of the cards that were reprints. They had lore that basically had keyword keyword. This is an AI reprint. <laughs> You know, how, how do you, how do you, how do you start your guys working for lore for cards that don't have images or, you know, you have all these conversion cards. Do you just go grab the original lore and use it or, or what, what, what's your, what's your process?
0: Well, because, uh, because we don't have images for a lot of the, the cards yet. Uh, even on the conversions, most of my team hasn't seen the images yet. Uh, I've just been copying and pasting the lore from the uh from the second edition version so that people know so that the rest of the team knows like this this is the actual card that we're working with you can go look it up you know what it's doing uh now let's make it first edition uh for some of the new cards uh, it's been a little tricky because I don't have images that I can show we just have game text. Uh, some of them have lore that's kind of placeholder lore. Some have lore that uh, that was written, but doesn't quite fit where we're going with the card. Maybe it's evolved a little bit over time. So we just we start with whatever we've got, <laughs> and then uh, some of them I've had to say, you know, really go wild with this card, but. Uh, give me give me suggestions put some stuff out there uh and some i've said you know we need to tone this back let's try and stick close to what the what the original card was uh maybe the images and all that different or maybe it's a it's a conversion and we need to kind of still reference still reference the same thing uh, but we always take what we've got and run <laughs> Run whatever direction is appropriate. Not sure if that answers your
1: question. No, this is a fairly good answer. So, um, <laughs> let's 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 take an example of a. Uh, I'm trying to think of a card that's in there that doesn't have an image on it. Um, let's say you get a. Here's a card that is a generic range booster, if mm-hmm. a certain set of criteria are met. So will say plays on your ship Uh, if you have a completed something mission ship is range plus two Mm -hmm. that's all you get it has no lore it has no image you just have game text and a a play test title what's your thought process for paring that down you know like the art team needs some sort of idea of what you want on there your your guys need some sort of idea of what lore to write how are you going to do that what are you going to look at What's your process going to be?
0: Well, the the process for me, and I'm I'm sure that different members of the team are going to approach things a little bit differently. But for me, I'm going to start with the material that we have, which at this point would just be the game text, and that's the closest bit to final that's that we've been handed. So start with the game text. It said uh, something about range, and it said something about if you've completed some kind of mission. So we've got to start thinking about well, what kind of what kind of missions are we talking about? Uh, was that mission ever shown on on one of the shows? Can we can we take a a, a frame from that from that episode, um, or is it something that's a little more abstract? Um, with that, with those thoughts, okay, it's got to be something about engines, maybe. So let's let's think about places where we see ships with engines, uh, or maybe people working in engineering. Maybe it's Jordy doing some kind of tweak, or or Scotty uh, pulling something out at the last second. Let's let's think about what what images are going to fit that, or let's let's think about what kind of plot points happen there. Uh, Maybe as uh, as Kirk has gotten the Enterprise into a jam, Scotty's got to find a way to to give the engines something more. So maybe we could suggest giving her all she's got uh, as a as a title. Uh, that probably won't won't make it all the way through unless the card is really iconic for for that kind of application. Uh, but it might give us some some inspiration to key images off of or key story elements off of Uh, so as as we develop each of those different boxes the title and the lore and the game text and the image together they're going to they're going to fuel each other uh, and they're going to fuel our creativity to say oh oh i remember this one time when uh, nog was piloting the defiant and did something really cool and they cut some corners in the Badlands or something. Uh, And maybe we could use that. Something like that is going to, as those things evolve, they're going to contribute to each other and eventually we'll end up with something that is pretty close to a finished card. Then we hand it off to the other folks who are going to give it one last look over. We're going to proof it and knock off those last couple edges, put a coat of polish on it, and throw it in the set.
1: So... So here's another interesting wrinkle, then. Let's say that that you have a similar card in the expansion that is special downloaded by one of the personnel. Oh. So here's a card that does something, you know, generic, uh, swaps a skill for another skill, for example. <laughs> and then later in the set, you're looking through it, and you see, oh, here's a Klingon that special downloads that card now it has a playtest title on there it might be like you know blood wine it's not really the title of the card it's just they have to call it something when they're developing it right now now you have the additional wrinkle of this is a card that's sort of a generic utility card but it's special downloaded by somebody of a specific affiliation Mm -hmm. is that does that impose a limitation on you or do you still feel free to go anywhere for the story on that card
0: it, it can bring in a limitation, but it doesn't have to. Um, you can, you can go really specific and have something like, um, like the version of Dukat that came out, I think in Life from Lifelessness that downloads the, uh, Cost Amazon I think it is.
1: That would be, like, as a pro, it was the Things Past, but yeah. Things The, passed, the non-aligned Ducat, yeah. Uh,
0: and that that card doesn't exist yet, but it's tied to the Deep Space Nine affiliations. You're probably not going to see a Klingon card that downloads Costamagno. It just wouldn't make it wouldn't make Trek sense. Uh, but uh, where did that go? Uh, the ensign ensign Jameson?
1: Yeah, the, the temporal or... agent. She's in Straight and Steady
0: straight and steady. She's got a... Does she have that special download? Yes. She downloads
1: out of time as well.
0: Right. So out of time is generic enough that uh, even though it has has an image from Enterprise, it's generic enough that you can have Starfleet download it or non-aligned download it or Federation download it or anybody else that we come up with. Uh, If we... Have for some strange reason a time traveling uh, Captain Lursa in the future. She could download it. Uh, I doubt it, but it would be possible. Sure. Uh, so you can you can go really generic and have it apply to uh, have it apply to different races. Kind of like the the tricorders that say this equipment is representative of that developed by many races. Mm-hmm. Or you can go really specific, like on, that fits a very specific plot element, because you know that that card probably isn't going to get used outside of those personnel that make sense for it to be used by story-wise, as well as gameplay-wise.
1: Outstanding. So, now that you've been looking at this, this expansion, and, and you've certainly been working on it, it do you think What do you? I mean, is this something that people should be excited about, even if they're not new players?
0: Well, I am, Uh, (laughs) and of course, if I am, then everybody
1: should be. Absolutely.
0: (laughs) uh, I think folks are really going to be really going to be excited to see some of the reprints of stuff that um, that they've been saying. We need to. This card needs to be printable. and some of the conversions where you have the, the groups that haven't, haven't used, uh, second edition cards. So these are gonna be new cards for them, but the groups that have used those cards finally get it in the first edition template. Uh, and especially because of the different lore opportunities, uh, in conversions, it's gonna have new elements on it, even if the gameplay and image are exactly the same. Uh, which I think is, is fun. Uh, I love to read, so getting new things to read would be exciting for me. Well, what else is exciting about this set? Uh,
1: well, I I think model, uh, thing, really? uh, there's a couple key reprints, I think, uh, that, as you said, people have been demanding. Um, mm-hmm. Some of the, the dilemmas that are being converted are, are popular, or didn't quite work in backwards compatible version that, that will work really well right now. I'm thinking the, uh, there's one space dilemma in particular that I haven't seen a 2E pile without. Um, but I haven't seen a lot of 1E that I think is going to be played a lot in 1E once it's converted.
0: Yeah. Uh, especially with it being printable. I think that's one that I, I happen to pull on a chance. And I think I'd throw it in, um, Because it's easy to, it it works well in my decks, but I think you're right that it doesn't show up very often. I think it will now that we have it in this set.
1: Absolutely. So I I really just think it's a nice. You know, veteran players are going to find some nice stuff out of it, and returning players and new players are going to be able to really get a leg up, and they're you know they're going to get three every headquarters. Every headquarters that was in Homefront 1, except one of them, gets three people to report to it. And one headquarters that wasn't in Homefront 1 also gets three people to report to it. And the one that's left out makes sense when you see it. So, uh, it I just think there's some nice stuff in there for everybody. Uh, some, some really good utility cards. And stuff that we can build on, and actually, in fact, are building on in the next actual virtual expansions there's some of this some of the stuff that we're going to do in uh, project moody which is the next virtual expansion um, has building blocks that show up in this this expansion you know it's like we need to put this but we don't have a place for it well we can put it in, in front two, and it fit perfectly so right I think everybody's really gonna dig it so yeah
0: and don't forget there are some there are some completely new cards in here too so Even if you're completely jaded by reprints or alternate images or conversions, there are still a couple bits here and there that you definitely haven't seen before.
1: Absolutely true. Absolutely true. So, uh, one last question for you. Um, One of the other things that you're going to be working on are promos, uh, Mm -hmm. helping to, to pick and write the promos. What type of card, in your opinion, makes a good promo and why?
0: Judging by judging by history, uh, it seems like people really enjoy personnel and ships. Uh, every once in a while, you'll see other card types. I think dilemmas might be the third place on that list, but things that are iconic, uh, maybe a, a main character or a ship that really blows stuff up. <laughs> really well um people like to see that alternate art people are a fan of that um, but what really makes it really makes it kick of course from for me i'm gonna say a card with good lore
1: well i mean is there any element of if we chose just just as an example um for the next expansion we chose uh, the Defiant the, the DS9 Defiant as the mm-hmm. promo card let's say it ties into the theme of the set uh, it makes sense, it's, it's got a great image it's got great lore, interesting game text is, is there any element of yeah the card really fits but it's only useful for people who are playing Federation or, or maybe Pejori. Right. Is it, is it okay to do affiliation specific promos if everything else is, is firing on all cylinders, or, or do we always need to cater to everyone?
0: Well, with, the, with a game like this that's built around the different affiliations, I don't think you can avoid having promos that tie into one affiliation over another. Uh, I think as long as we give a fair rotation, we say, okay, well this time we're going to do a, a, a federation promo of the Defiant. Uh, next time maybe we can do something for Romulans or maybe we can do something for the Borg, uh, something like that. It it lets people say, oh, well, maybe I'm a little disappointed that my favorite affiliation didn't make the cut this time for the promo, but I'll get something next time.
1: And they're still fun to chase and collect no matter what. So.
0: Oh, yeah. And you can always... Uh, <laughs> Considering the game as something that is treating treating the game as if it were still in print, you can always trade them with somebody else for what you really wanted.
1: Yeah, I've I've traded several. Actually, I've traded virtual foils for physical cards. Nice. Which yeah, because I don't have I don't have a lot of one e much anymore. So when somebody has you know three extra rares or stuff they don't care about, but they're looking for a virtual promo, you know, they'll be willing to trade me two or three. Physical rares for a virtual promo or two, and, and that's kind of cool. I like that. Yeah, very cool. All right. Well, uh, any questions that you have for me, or, or any anything else you want to say to the community at large out there?
0: Well, I don't want to. I don't want to say anything that's going to spoil the next set before it's time. So I better not ask any questions about that. <laughs> uh, I think I. I would like to say that the stuff that's in the pipe. Uh, Project Moody and uh, whatever Homefront Two is going to turn out to be is has been fun for me to work on so far. Uh, I'm excited to see this creative team really get off the ground and spread their wings, uh, and I think we're we're off to a great start so far. Uh, and I think that the the players and the community are really going to like the work that we're doing. Uh, we as a not just the creative team, but the whole the whole team in general, from the first stages of design through the last stages of art and proofing and production. I think we've got a couple of really great products in store.
1: I couldn't agree more, and' I'm, I'm glad that uh, you're keeping an eye on the creative side of things, and I have the most confidence in, in you and your team to produce uh, continue to produce outstandingly uh, packaged cards. So. I appreciate that. Right, and uh, if anybody out there is interested, you know, Dave is putting his team together, um, but you can always find out information you need on any of our open positions on our Volunteer Resource Center, which is at trekcc.org slash volunteer. And uh, all the information you need there on, on any of the open positions and whom to contact is on that page. Again, it's uh, trekcc.org slash volunteer. So, Dave, uh, thanks for taking an hour or so out of your day to talk with us.
0: Oh, you're welcome. My pleasure.
1: And we will catch you guys next week. Aha. What? The patient is sick.
0: Can you be more specific? To discuss the patient's condition in front of the patient would be a serious breach of professional etiquette. It's been suggested that I cultivate a greater sensitivity to my patients' needs. Don't worry, my little friend. Doctor. Very well.
1: Say something for me. Anything at all? Anything at all.
0: Ah, once upon a time in a galaxy far, far away, and now we're in the wrong franchise.